Dog Nation. You're invited to take your seat. Take a seat. At the Warriors Roundtable. It's a three. In and out. Rebound. Payton. Out to Curry. Let's it fly. Three ball. Left corner pocket. Welcome to the table. On the exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. 95-7 the game. Curry fires away. Three ball. Above the break. Here's Kevin Dana. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another year of Warriors Roundtable here on 95.7 The Game. Kevin Anna back from my third year hosting alongside the saintly one, Gary St. Jean. We'd like to remind you that the Warriors 2023-24 season is presented by Kaiser Permanente. And as always, you can hit us up all show long, all hour long from 6 to 7, 888-957-9570. So let's uh, start micro, go macro. We'll start with last night's game, the loss to Phoenix. We'll take a look at the new additions on this roster. We'll take a look at the schedule ahead, which is pretty daunting. But let's start with Tuesday night's season opener, the 108-104 loss to the Phoenix Suns on Tuesday night. And I'll start with this, Gary. I want to get your opinion on the second chance opportunities. And had I not looked at the box score, I would not have believed that Golden State had more offensive rebounds than Phoenix because it certainly did not feel like it watching that game. Phoenix, 26 second chance points to 20 for Golden State. Six-point difference in a four-point game, a, a big difference there and Yusuf Nurkic and Josh Akogi in particular really hurt Golden State and also if I were to not look at the box score I would have said that Yusuf Nurkic had a lot more than three offensive rebounds Kev we're back <laughs> we're back I I'm fired up I I really uh enjoyed watching that game last night and I think it's going to be a fun year I think it's going to be a real productive year we're going to talk about the roster, but focusing on last night, uh, you just like the makeup of the team. I, my, my old pal, Mike Dunleavy, I think uh, took the reins from Bob Myers, and, and really, I think they improved their team. I like their bench. I think it's going to just going to get better and better. And uh, they get Draymond back. Uh, you, you noted the tough schedule, but there's a lot of optimism, and I can feel a good blend, uh, a good chemistry, a culture with the team. You you brought out a big point. I just thought the fourth quarter, it was crazy. The domination, the first quarter was even. Second quarter, Suns owned it. But the third quarter was vintage Warriors. They just yep. went on a roll. Fourth quarter, the 50-50 balls, the deflections, the long rebounds, all of those things seemed to go to the Suns' way. And you brought out a Kogi and Nurkic, and, uh, you know, they were the dirt workers. They did their job. And, uh, you know, it was great to see Kevin Durant back in the building. Great. Uh, our fans are the best. They just uh, welcomed him with open arms and nothing but praise. And we got to see the guy that, if we were to look back around the early 2000s, that reminds me the most of Kobe Bryant in the NBA right now, and that's Booker. Uh, that is one heck of a young player. He, he really is terrific. But, you know, to your point, if you told me that you were going to shoot that poorly, uh, my man Raymond Ritter, he and I were chatting today, uh, Warriors VP of PR, he said that's the worst game. They didn't have a game shooting the ball that bad all last year. And yet you got a shot to win the game. Uh, it's remarkable to me. 
And uh, I, I thought, uh, considering the shooting, uh, I thought it was a darn good effort. Yeah, no, it really was a good effort. And on a scale of 1 to 10, my concern level after one game is a negative 20. Like, it was <laughs> so what that they lost the season opener? Like, the Phoenix Suns are going to be there at the top of the Western Conference, along with Golden State, along with Denver. We'll see where the Lakers shake out and all this. Sacramento, don't forget about them. We'll see what Memphis looks like when John Morant gets back after 25 games. But but Phoenix is really good, and Golden State was with them toe-to-toe. The, the second-chance points were an issue last night, and we'll see how much of an issue that is going to be going forward. Ten second-chance points in the fourth quarter alone. And look, Josh Akogi and Yusuf Nurkic, in addition to their offensive rebounds, hit some shots last night where I just said, I'm tipping my cap to you because if you can hit that, I'd rather have you shoot that than Kevin Durant take an uncontested jumper or Devin Booker. Like you mentioned, I think your point is very well said about Devin Booker being kind of the closest iteration to Kobe Bryant in, in today's NBA. I, I mean, Kogi, he's a career 29% three-point shooter, bombs that corner three at the, the most clutch time of the game. Some things like that, yeah. okay, they, they happen. But some other things that can be correctable, the turnovers. And by and large, Gary, the turnovers were great. Eleven, fantastic. fantastic. But in the fourth, but in the fourth yes. quarter, there were five of them. Now, Chris Paul. We'll get into Chris Paul. He didn't commit any of those turnovers. Yep. But in the fourth quarter, they had some what you would consider Golden State esque turnovers of previous years. That the passes to nobody from Clay and Steph. We we have seen that before. I, I thought with two minutes to go, that there was a chance that they could have had Kaminga back to the basket, had great low post position, didn't give it to him. Instead, it goes to Looney. He turns it over there. I thought maybe that was a possession that they would have liked back. But the, the fourth quarter turnovers did kind of rear their ugly head for Golden State last night. Well, you touched on a lot of great points. And, uh, you know, really high to me. Uh, uh, I'm going to pay Akogi a, a compliment. He he does the work that Gary Payton does uh, for the Warriors. And yet he chipped in with 17 points. Yeah. And you're looking, if you're if you're uh, Frank Vogel, you're saying, wow, that that's beautiful stuff. Uh, you look at Payton, he was a plus 15 for the game. But I look at Akogi, and, and, you know, he was in that dunker position a couple times. When you're trying to handle the pick and roll up top, you create a rotation. And uh, he was down low there a couple times for dunks. And don't let anybody tell you, he's not any more than 6'2". And uh, Nurkic, here's a subtle thing. For this team, when they move forward, the biggest dilemma is going to be pick and roll coverage with him. Now, you saw the open the game. I want to say seven out of the first ten plays, the Warriors ran some kind of high pick action to get him involved, and that meant he was switched, or they call it drop defense, where he drops back into the broken circle area. Yep. Well, that meant he he had he probably had Steph or Clay coming right at him about six or seven times, and that's going to be a thorn for them. But he can pass, he sets good screens, and he rebounds. And frankly, they don't need a beautiful guy like Aiton. They need a dirt worker. So he, yep. he was a good acquisition. When you look at that game last night, they have to have Grayson Allen, who had a goose egg, had a great exhibition season. And Gordon, as you said, that was a big sub. In the last, they put him in with three minutes left, and you said he made two big shots. They need one or two of those two guys going. And the you know, Warriors didn't have Draymond. Well, they didn't have Beal. And uh, 
I, I just, I saw a lot, a lot of things I liked. I, I just think that uh, I like Sarek. I thought he did a heck of a job. Moody's going to have a heck of a year. Yeah. Um, Kaminga, you know, we're going to touch on all these guys. Um, you know, it, it's it's a good problem to have the depth the Warriors have. I, I like the bench better than last year's bench, Kev. And and in the fourth quarter, you give the Suns credit. The they stepped up. They made big plays. I thought they did a. The Warriors did a terrific job on Kevin Durant. Uh, yes. They made they made the night a long one for him. So uh, a lot a lot of positives. No, they really did do a nice job defending Kevin Durant. KD, 7 of 22 from the field. A lot of credit goes to Jonathan Kaminga, and I want to give a lot of credit to Jonathan Kaminga as the yeah. as the hour goes on. But you mentioned Eric Gordon's two three-pointers, his two big threes late, and I thought that was a product of the offensive rebounding for Phoenix because his first made three was directly off an offensive rebound. Yep. And once a guy like Eric Gordon sees one go through the hoop, he's going to get another one to go through the hoop, and he warmed up at the exact right time for the Suns. Kev, you and I have talked about this for three years. Uh, long shots create long rebounds, and your abilities to chase those down. The game has changed so much. And I, I kind of chuckled when you were talking about Wiggins being posted up. I, I think some fans today might not even know what a post-up is. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. You were exactly right what you're saying. He was on the right box. And I'm telling you, yeah. if I was to be a, a play call guy for the Warriors, I'd have him down there multiple times a game. I think he's yep. really special down there. But yep. uh, I thought Gordon was a great signing for them. Uh, that was big. Uh, he's going to really, really help that team. And Kev, you know and I know, I, I Denver's going to go about their business and they've got just a terrific starting five, and their bench is a lot weaker because they lost a couple guys in, in brown and green. But everybody else is an injury away from big problems. And yes. uh, I, I look at everybody, whether it's the two LA teams, whether it's Phoenix, the Warriors. You know who didn't have any injuries last year? We'll see if it continues, uh, is the Kings. And yeah. you look at Memphis's problems with, with uh, John Morant and – we can go on and on. I don't know if Williamson's going to be able to play a number of games. So the West is unbelievable, and we can't get discouraged by this early part of the schedule. You know, you you shared a great note with me today. This sounds crazy, but if they could come out of this thing and be 5-4 and four, uh, after this scheduling, uh, holy cow, because yeah. my days go back to when they did the schedule by hand. And uh, now that's all computerized, and somebody's got to get the computer fixed because that, that's not right for the Warriors to have all these road games right away. It's crazy. Uh, that must have been a drag doing the schedule by hand. Oh, my for God. The stories team. I could tell you. There was a guy named Matt Winnick, and the poor guy, he had glasses, and they looked like Coke bottles. And, and the reason <laughs> they did, they were so thick because he had to stare down. He'd say, all right, now. Kevin, tell me when your arena's available. All right, Saint, when's yours? And we're and putting these trips together, and you got to deal with the circus coming to town and all this kind of oh, thing and man. concerts. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, folks, the Warriors 2023-24 season presented by Kaiser Permanente is finally here. Single game tickets on sale now. Warriors.com or call 888-GSW-HOOP. Representative standing by. We'll take a break, talk a little bit more about that loss to Phoenix last night, and look at the new additions that the Warriors have this year 
all on the other side of this break right here on 95.7 The Game. Each and every member of Dub Nation has a seat at this table. If everybody would please take your seats. The Warriors Roundtable has returned on 95.7 The Game. And Gary St. Jean. Back here on Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. Kevin Dan alongside Gary St. Jean. Hit us up, 888-957-9570. Again, that number if you want to join the conversation, 888-957-9570. Join us live at Chase Center for LGBTQ Plus Night presented by Accenture as the Dubs face the Sacramento Kings on Wednesday, November 1st. All fans receive a Warriors LGBTQ Plus Night Splash Towel. Get your tickets now at warriors.com. All right, let's uh, talk a little bit more about the Phoenix game before we kind of move on to the new additions of this roster. I know I've been kind of a negative Nate thus far, talking about the fourth quarter turnovers, the second chance opportunities for Phoenix. One more bad thing I want to talk about, the the early foul trouble that Golden State had last night. Now, by and large, they had 11 more free throw attempts than Phoenix which is not something you saw every game last year. So that was good. But the, the first quarter fouls, and really the, the first play of the game had me scratching my head. I mean, uh, kind of a needless and one given a use of Nurkic, I believe it was, or just kind of a ticky-tack foul. And then Jonathan Kaminga goes in there, was playing well, but picked up three fouls in like five minutes and then couldn't play the rest of the first half. And then you know, Steph Curry's foul trouble, if he, if he doesn't pick up a fourth in the third or, or a fifth in, early in the fourth, maybe things kind of shake out a little differently. Well, if I'm uh, Frank Vogel down that other bench, I'm I'm feeling good that you had these early fall situations with Kaminga because I think he's going to be so pivotal this year on both ends of the floor. You know, he and Wiggins are really uh, potentially big-time defenders to go along with Draymond, and it makes you more athletic when he's on the floor. So... You know, I, I think he's really going to get going. I thought he had a heck of an exhibition uh, season, getting to the free throw line, you know, doing a good job that way. And, you know, when you when you look at the game, when Steph gets in foul trouble, you're saying, oh, brother, that's a couple more minutes he's on the bench. We, we've got a better chance to steal a road win. So, you know, th- those are big factors in, in a game. And, it, and it just, uh, you have to adjust your rotation as to who you're going to have in the lineup and all that kind of thing. And, you know, uh, kudos to Steph Curry. My gosh, he did his work in the offseason. His body looks terrific. He's ready to have another fantastic season. And, you know, he embraces Chris Paul. And, listen, guys, there's there's no shortcut here. He's the guy. And he welcomes everybody. He embraces them. He's humble. Uh, He loves – as Steve Kerr says, he plays with joy. And – I just enjoy every time I get to see him play basketball. Right, let me ask you something, Saint. When you were a GM 20-plus years ago, outside of Michael Jordan, how many <laughs> – it, it, it's, it's been a little while. <laughs> but outside of Michael Jordan, how many 35-year-old NBA players looked like the way Stephen yeah. Curry does right now? You know, Kev, times have changed. Uh, I, I was telling a story to somebody last night in 1978 – Sidney Moncrief asked the trainer if we could get some weights. And the trainer who used to be with the Jets with Joe Namath, he said, NBA guys don't lift weights. 
So they, <laughs> they, they opened a closet for him, and they put a, a, a bar with some weights there for him. And uh, look where we are now. And these guys take kudos to the teams. They, they spend the time and effort to help these guys in the process. There's, there's really, they, they shut it down for a couple weeks. But when you look at Steph Curry, there, there's a reason why he's continuing to do this. People don't see it, but he works so hard in the offseason. And, uh, you know, I look at Clay bouncing back from the two surgeries. They put the time in. As guys in the NBA, NBA would say, they put in the work. And yep. uh, that, that's the reason why they are where they are. All right, let's talk about some of these new additions now. And we have to start with Chris Paul and that blockbuster yeah. trade that sent Jordan Poole to the Washington Wizards along with some draft assets, guys like Ryan Rollins and, and PBJ. I, Chris Paul, I, I think it's been one game, but we could already see how huge of an addition he's going to be to Golden State this year. Nine assists to one turnover. I mean, th just the, the calming presence that he had when he was on the floor and Stephen Curry wasn't on the floor. Like the, the Warriors were like plus 260 something when Steph was on the floor last year and minus 120 something when he was off the floor yeah. cumulatively last year. Last night, and it's only one game, but Steph Curry was a minus nine and Chris Paul was a plus five. I, I, I just the third quarter, you just saw everything that Chris Paul could be for this team. Yeah, Kev, you know, to take that weight off of Steph, because those stats don't lie. I mean, they are huge stats when he's not playing. And to bring stability to that group when they're in there. And I just think these other guys, we're going to talk about them, but Kaminga and Moody especially are going to flourish under yes. his tutelage. Sarek, pick and pop, Peyton, the defense. So you feel good about that. But, you know, it's kind of, didn't you think it was kind of, I don't know. I had some fans sitting around me, and they're they saying, I, "I can't get used to this." Chris Paul, he's with the he's with the Warriors, and I think it's going to be comical. I'm looking for this road trip to watch him and Draymond, because yeah. nobody uh, has a discussion with the referees like those two. And no. uh, if I'm in the referees' room before the game, I'm saying, "All right, who are we giving the first tee to?" Uh, because it, <laughs> it, it, it's it's 48 minutes straight. Those two guys. Draymond put on a show last night from the bench, and uh, you noted Chris Paul, 9-1. to one. Listen, there's nobody that runs a pick and roll better than him, and if he can get Steph off the ball, it's less work for him, so that's great. Here's your deal. Last night, as I noted, they went at Nurkic in the pick and roll, uh, the Warriors did. Watch this season to see if people try to go at Chris Paul because he's getting older, and defensively, he's not what he used to be. And it, this, this league's all about matchups and who's got a mismatch and that kind of thing. So uh, I'll tell you what, I, I, I'm thrilled that he's aboard and I think he's bought in completely. Don't get hang, hung up on this starting lineup stuff. I don't know. We could see Draymond at the five, Wiggs at the four, Clay at the three, and maybe that's the way it's going to work out. But, you know, that may change. And we got injuries as the season goes on, but... Uh, it's not a biggest deal to me, and I just love his, his – I watched him during timeouts talking to the younger guys and talking about angles and, you know, what the timing is on a play. And he's just uh, – you can't teach experience. That That's a – he's had a great, great career. 
Well, you, you touched on the point that made for Sports Talk Radio for the last three months since Chris Paul has been <laughs> traded to the Golden State Warriors. Who's starting? Who's coming off the bench? You, you got to bench Chris Paul. Steve Kerr says we have six starters. No, you can't bench Chris Paul. He's the point god, as, as everyone calls him. I mean, as a coach, as a GM, you've been in this situation before, Saint. How do you deal w with a situation like this? And you, you said it's not important at the end of the day. Obviously, it's more important who finishes a game than who starts a game. Well, here's the deal. Whether it's your family whether it's business or whether it's the NBA. Communication is such a big thing. We've got to earn each other's trust and we've got to be able to communicate in open ways. And we may not agree on everything, but it, we're, we're bringing it to the table. We talk about it. And uh, you know, there may be guys that say, hey, my gosh, I, I, don't, I can't come off the bench. I can't get warm. I, I can't operate that way. And um, you, you might get other guys that say, you know, I, I like, you know, I, I, I'll go back to my days in Milwaukee in the, in the early 80s. Junior Bridgman. Remember that name? Unfortunately, I don't. Sorry, Saint. All right. So he played in, and he was one of the best six men in, in the entire league. And uh, he loved coming off the bench. John Havlicek, great Boston Celtic Hall of Famer. He used to tell Nelly, I loved coming off the bench because I got to watch three or four minutes of what was going on, and I got a timing uh, as to the, the plays and what's going on out there. So there's some positives in doing that. You made a great point, Kev. Talk to me about who closes the game and talk to me about minutes played. Yeah, and speaking of minutes played, Chris played 34 last night. That now, for I was, That's a hey, lot. That meant that, hey, that meant Steve was going for it. Yeah, he was. He he was uh, chasing a win, if you will, to, to borrow a phrase he used for uh, three seasons ago. But, I mean, for a guy who has had injury troubles in the latter part of his career, I mean, I don't think it's really realistic to expect him to play. Well, it's definitely not realistic to expect him to play 34 minutes over 82 games. But kind of no. how much are you kind of managing the minutes for Chris Paul in your head as the season goes on, Saint? I'm talking in the high 20s, you know, that kind okay. of thing. And don't get worried about the four for 15 from the floor, you know. No. He, he just, he's just unique in that he has a feel for the game you can't teach. Some, guy, some guys are great athletes, Kev. But from the shoulders up, they don't see the game. This guy here is strong as a pit bull. How about the play he drew the offensive fall on uh, – on Kevin Durant on the right uh, box. I, I'm glad you brought I that up. I went nuts. I was sitting with MJ, my wife, and I just, I just gave her a little squeeze. I said, "My gosh, <laughs> that is old school, great stuff." Yeah, no, it is. And you mentioned that obviously he's not the defender he once was, no. but he still has those tricks up his sleeve oh, where he boy. he can draw an offensive foul on someone he knows how to get under someone's skin yeah. he might draw a technical foul from someone because he's that much of a pest so he still brings that on the defensive end of the floor well without a doubt and and you talk about getting under the skin now he's going to get under the skin of the refs too and maybe the other bench i mean that guy there when he's on the other team you you didn't like him come on we got to all admit to all our yeah. fans we didn't like him now he's with us. I, I, it was amazing. The people sitting around me, they kept saying, 
I'm, I'm having a hard time. I said, well, just relax. You're, you're going to love them. Just embrace them. It's great. Well, were those fans that you were sitting by the same fans that were chanting CP3, CP3, CP3 <laughs> exactly. in the second half? Wasn't that great? I mean, who who would have had that on their Warriors bingo card last year, right? <laughs> Unbelievable. Unreal. <laughs> Let's talk about the other guy that came over from the Phoenix Suns, uh, or who has played with the Phoenix Suns, yeah. I should say, in the past, and Dario Saric. And look, he, he was a guy that Golden State, I think, did desperately need to sign when, when some things early in free agency weren't happening. Yeah. It, there was a couple of days surrounding, were they going to be able to get Dario? Were they not? Luckily for Golden State, they did. And I thought last night, there's a couple of points I want to make about Dario Sarge. The first is kind of uh, in scout speak, you'll hear if you ask someone about a player, they'll say the guy has some stuff to his game, except they don't yeah. say the word stuff. They, see, they say another <laughs> word that starts with the letter S. And, and basically what that means is he's got some sizzle. He's got some shake. He does some things with the ball in his hand. And... I think I'm thinking in my Rolodex of players I've watched, I don't think that, and this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment. It is not intended as a backhanded compliment, but the way Dario Saric moves, you would not expect him to have quote unquote stuff to his game, but he yeah. does. He, you know, for a guy who isn't a very fluid athlete, he has like, I mean, he had that crossover in the third quarter. He can do things with the ball in his hands. And he also, last night, made a lot of winning plays, I thought. Well, I, I loved this game last night. And uh, I, I, the ultimate compliment is when, when Chris Paul comes here, one of his first phone calls when he found out that he was a free agent and he might be available at a veteran minimum, he calls him up and wants him to come up here. Uh, let me tell you something. You can't, it's hard to teach feel. Now, he's not the greatest athlete in the world, but he has a feel for the game. Kev, I loved his competitive nature in the fourth quarter. Oh, he yeah. put his nose in there. I loved it. And and he is vintage uh, this decade. Vintage pick and pop. You've got to guard him. You're probably going to switch to pick and roll. So now your small winds up on him and then they and your the other team's big is guarding Chris Paul or Steph Curry, you love that. That that's the mismatch. You take that off the bounce and live with that all night long. And and I just I love this. I'm on, I'm going to use an old word. I love this moxie. I love this competitiveness. Yeah. He put his nose in there. He wasn't a, afraid of getting a bloody nose. And and I I I just uh, he grew on me as the night went on. I I think he's going to be a really really nice piece. He's the exact same opposite of Kaman Looney. Now, do they compete and play hard? Are they bright players? Yes. But Looney is a pick-and-roll guy. This is a yep. pick-and-pop guy. Looney's a position rebounder and, and really a great screener. Uh, Sark's just got to gotta get his nose in there and all that kind of stuff. And uh, A short dose last night made you feel like, huh, this is a great signing. Yeah, no, I mean, if you go back to five, six years ago, you know, he was supposed to be part of that the process with the Philadelphia 76ers. I remember yeah. Joel Embiid, they coined the term feds for Fultz, Markel Fultz, 
E for Embiid, D for Dario Sharch, and S for Ben Simmons. Like, that was the core group that was supposed to take the Philadelphia 76ers to the next level, which unfortunately they haven't been able to get to yet for their sake. But no, Dario last night, seven points, seven rebounds, two blocks. The the other new guy who we saw play a little bit last night, but only three minutes, is Corey Joseph. And look, there's going to be a lot of games this year where Corey Joseph does not play or plays three minutes. But hey, if Chris Paul runs into an injury, Stephen Curry runs into an injury, and both of those guys have missed significant chunks of the last few seasons, Corey Joseph is going to be an important part of this team. Kev, listen, if you want the stamp of approval, I know you got everybody in your Rolodex. Call up up, uh, Greg Popovich. This is a high, high character guy. You love having a vet like this on your team. And when the guy comes in the game with the second unit, you're not worried about him throwing three or four turnovers. He gives the ball to people at the right time. He competes, he's smart, he defends. I I, I love that signing. And you know what a guy like him and Sarek, you know what they do? And this is a credit to Steph, Draymond, Clay, to Steve Kerr. These guys look and they say, where do I have the best chance maybe to go get a ring? Where do I have a chance to play in a real team system and really flourish and they'll respect my roles? And I, I think that's why you sign. You get guys like that to sign because of respect of, of the history of this team. Yeah, no, definitely. He's a career 35% three-point shooter, and he turns it over one time per game over 22 yeah, minutes amazing. per game over the course of his career. So that is that is huge stuff. And I'll, I'll show or share one Corey Joseph. Uh, you, you mentioned his time with the Spurs. Uh, here's the, the Corey Joseph story I have. And I've been in the G League now. I'm going on my 12th season with Santa Cruz this year. Back Man, in my first old. year, yeah, I, I know, I really am. <laughs> Back in my first year in the G League, 2012, 13 Corey Joseph he was the first player I've ever heard do this he asked to be assigned to the then Austin Toros because he wasn't getting the playing time with the San Antonio Spurs you will hear stories about guys asking to get assigned to the G League now because the G League it's got that cred it it has produced a lot of NBA high-level NBA players like a Rudy Gobert like a Chris Middleton guys who've been on assignment and then go on to have all-star careers but back then the G League was the D League and it was not seen as nearly as highly as it was today it's so for Corey Joseph to kind of have that foresight say I need game reps send me to the G League the D League at the time I I I thought that just kind of spoke to who he was as a player and kind of the the team aspect to his game great story great story you love having a guy like that when you look at your roster you usually have five guards and he's your fifth guard and you're saying oh brother you know if I got Steph or Clay down for a night and Peyton's got to play more minutes. Oh man, I got got him down there. We're we're gonna be all right. And and you feel good, you know. Every day he puts his work in, practicing hard. He might be talking to the rookie, uh, you know, about the timing and and cutting and when to give it up and go and all that kind of thing. I I, I love that. I I think he's gonna have a heck of a nice year. 
Yeah, my baseball analogy for Corey Joseph is that he's an innings eater. When you need him to, to give you four or five innings, if you're playing if you're playing a doubleheader and you need someone to just go out there, throw four or five innings to save your bullpen, he's the guy you you call on. Now I have no idea if Corey Joseph can can top ninety five on a radar gun, but that, that that's the kind of guy oh, I that I, that I see Corey Joseph as. You, you mentioned kind of advice he gives uh, to the rookie, and the, one of those rookies is Brandon Pajemski. The other one, Trace Jackson Davis. We didn't see those guys last night, the yep. draft picks for Golden State. But uh, look, I'll, I'll say this about these guys, and then I want to get your take on the rookies. Pods, I think, is example number 2038 of why you do not take summer league stats super seriously. Like A lot of talk around him during the month of July was, oh, he's not shooting it well in summer league. No one really cares. I mean, if you, if you ask any kind of NBA front office person, they don't blink twice about a guy shooting 20-something or 30-some percent from the field. Look, he had a really good preseason. And again, take preseason stats with a grain of salt, whether they're good or bad. I remember Josh Selby was the Summer League MVP back in 2011, and a lot of people who are listening to this right now probably don't know who Josh Selby is. He was a hell of a yeah. hell of a high school basketball player, was a big-time five-star recruit. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for him at the NBA level. But then Trace Jackson Davis, I, I think – He's a guy who who could certainly play some rotation minutes this year. He he's a, he's a, he's a four year guy in Indiana, big time producer in the Big Ten. I remember he lit up Stanford for thirty one. I think his sophomore year, uh, wa watching him play against the Zaire Williams Stanford Cardinal team. So look, had some nice moments in the preseason, had some nice moments in summer league. I, I think he's going to be kind of a, a plug and play guy when you need him as well. Well, Kev, you know, I, you saved me because I still – I'm going to call him Pods like you do because I, I can't say his name, and I'm from a community in Massachusetts full of Polish people. And uh, listen, that young guy, he again, we talk about feel. You can watch him play one night, and you can understand he knows how to play the game on and off the ball. I love his competitive nature. For his size, he rebounds well. And I watch him listen – to the veteran guys. He had a really nice exhibition season. The other guy, boy, did I respect his dad. Dale Davis oh, yeah. was one yep. tough hombre. And uh, both these guys played over 100 college games. That means something. And so these two guys are in the bullpen. And there'll be nights they're going to be called upon. As I said, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Keep on working hard every day. Get your game going up 1%. Keep, keep, keep it going. And you don't know what's going to happen during the course of the year. You may get tossed in there, and you play fabulous, and all the coaches are saying, you know what? We're going to play him more. Yeah. And uh, I, I, Davis is a great example. Uh, what was it, the fifth exhibition game? He started, and uh, he, he, he was in that dunker position down low off of the high pick action. He got about three dunks, and uh, I, I, I'm optimistic about both of these guys. I, I think they're really good picks, and the scouting staff did a great job. And, you know, I'll bet you Joe Lacob saw Pods play a lot. That, that's just a hunch I got. And uh, I loved what Joe did last night, or two days ago, when he sang the praise of Kevin Durant and encouraged the fans to give him a big ovation. And boy, that was a great thing to watch. I, I think that really, really moved Kevin Durant. And uh, 
when you're a young rookie like that and you're seeing a guy down at that other bench who used to be a warrior legend, that, that's a pretty neat experience. No, it really is. And, well, Joe Lacob would have had ample opportunity to watch Pods playing in college. Of course, he played at Santa Clara just uh, yeah. down 101 about an hour or so from Chase Center. Jerry Seinfeld and Jim Gaffigan are coming to Chase Center, and they've added a second show on Thursday, November 2nd. That's right after the home game against the Sacramento Kings. Get your tickets now at ChaseCenter.com. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll take a look ahead at this very tough upcoming schedule for the Golden State Warriors. Seven of the next eight on the road. We'll talk about it on the other side right here on 95.7 The Game. If you've just joined us, don't worry. We saved your seat. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. At the Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. Curry behind the back. Wait, stops it, pops on the way. Ridiculous three on the right sideline. Now, here's Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean. Let's take a look at some upcoming broadcasts on 95.7 The Game. Game number two for Golden State is Friday, October 27th at Sacramento, 6.30 on the air with Tim Roy. 7 p.m. tip time, Sunday, October 29th at Houston. That'll be 3.30 airtime on 95.7 and then tipping at 4. Then the back end of the back-to-back, Monday, October 30th, at New Orleans in the Pelly Pels, 4.30 airtime, 5 p.m. Tip, then back home for LGBTQ Plus Night, presented by Accenture. That's Wednesday, November 1st, against the Sacramento Kings. So you see them twice over the span of the next four games, 6.30 on air, 7 p.m. tip time, and then back on the road at Oklahoma City. The Thunder are a very intriguing team this year, especially now that Chet Holmgren is healthy and in the lineup. 4.30 airtime, 5 p.m. tip. All those broadcasts again on 95.7 The Game. Kevin Dana, Gary St. Jean with you. We got you for another eight, nine minutes, so hit us up, 888-957-9570. Again, that number, 888-957-9570. And look, that upcoming broadcast read is a good kind of launching point for what I want to talk about next Gary, because you heard that schedule at Sacramento. Houston's improved this year. They got Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks, who, unlike a, a lot of the Twitterati, I, I think is a very solid NBA player. And I think it's a good pickup for them at New Orleans versus Sacramento at Oklahoma City. And then I'll extend it at Cleveland, at Detroit, and a back-to-back Cleveland, Detroit, and then at Denver on November 8th before they finally come back home. Seven of the next eight on the road, that means seven of their first nine games are away from home. And that's why, as you mentioned, uh, we were going back and forth about this, Gary. That's why I say if they could be five and four after their first nine games, that'd be huge. Man, oh, man. I, I Kev, you're so far on top of it. I bet nobody has a start to their schedule like the Warriors. This is brutal. Now, here's the good news, though. Play them early when teams aren't really sharp. Like, both teams last night didn't shoot the ball well. Not really in sync the way they want to be, but it's early in the season. So maybe they can catch a few of these teams not quite in sync yet. And, uh, you know, maybe they can get some wins on the road because let's face facts. Last year was brutal on the road. But what a great job by Steve and Steph and Clay and Draymond and Paul bringing all these guys together early. And, you know, there were some situations off the floor. I I think this team's going to have a great chemistry, and I I think they're really going to work well together. And, And listen, 
you got to circle up the wagons on the road. You know, it's like 15 guys and the coaches against about 15, 17,000 people every night. And it's hard to win on the road. You can get road wins, boy. You're feeling a good thing. Here's the old adage. Kev, you'll like this. Yeah. Can we get 20 road wins? Hmm, okay. You say, that's not bad. That's 500 on the road, just about. Now, when we get back home, can we win 30? Well, the next thing you know, you got 50 wins. There you and go. That's, that, that was an old benchmark in the NBA. And when I look at that in the Western Conference, the only team that I can tell you I think is assuredly going to probably win 50 is Denver. Everybody else, this is going to be, you know, you mentioned uh, playing New Orleans. I, I don't know what's, that guy may, you know, eat 40 beignets or whatever, and and he he breaks down again, Williamson. This is going to be an amazing year. The only two teams I think that are just rebuilding are not going to be really strong are Portland and Houston. And they've got some nice young talent, but they're not there yet. Everybody else is in the race. Yeah, I mean, it's what, 13, maybe 13 half teams? I that that will compete for the ten play-in uh, playoff right. pl- slash play-in spots. I I think like there are some vets now at Houston that there will be some Better. sort of push to yeah. make the top ten. Now I'm not saying yeah. they're going to be a top ten team. Yeah. I, I I highly doubt that. But it, it's not going to be tanking for Victor Wembanyama this year. Obviously now it, it, Victor with the San Antonio Spurs. He's about actually to make his debut in a couple of minutes. I, I can't wait for that as they're playing uh, your Dallas Mavericks. So I'm sure you'll be tuned into that. Well, one, so. I, I got to confess, Kev, that my son Greg is now on the Phoenix Sun staff. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, that's right. He, uh, Frank Vogel called them to come over there. They were together when they won the championship with the Lakers. And MJ and I got to have dinner with him uh, Two nights ago at the House of Prime Rib, Joe Betts, my my favorite guy in the city of San Francisco. We had a great meal and uh, nice. brought my grandson, William, and, and gosh, he, he loved it. First time going there, so he he said, Papa, I love the meat and the mashed potatoes. And, <laughs> and so then, you know, we go to the game last night and see Greg and all that kind of thing, and, you know, great win. So he, he's a lucky guy being an assistant yeah. in the NBA. It's a good life. Yeah, my mistake. Totally forgot about that uh, personnel move. Congrats to, to Greg St. Jean. That, that's a nice staff to be a part of. But let's talk a little bit about the Sacramento Kings on Friday night. You think the Sacramento Kings fans oh. could be hyped for this playoff rematch, Oh, Saint? my gosh. Kev, that, that series last year was just like we all dreamt about. That, that was fantastic. Yeah. Now, you know, people are saying to me, can they be as good as they were last year? Well, I'll know this. Fox is better. <laughs> I, yeah. I saw that in the exhibition season. And Sabonis is a very, very smart player. He'll figure out how the Warriors played him, and he didn't have a good series. He wasn't happy. The, the guy, um, boy, uh, that kid Murray, he really intrigues me. He, he can really fill yes. up the, the hoop. I mean, he's, he's impressive. And you know, they got a bunch of other hardworking guys and role guys. We all we all love our old alumni guy, Harrison Barnes. So, you, Kev, you're spot on again. That that's, Those are going to be great games when they play, whether here at the Chase or up there. Uh, that That's, as you said, I remember last year. It's the first time the two of them were in the playoffs. Yeah, 
it's fantastic absolutely crazy yeah i mean it, and it really feels like this rivalry could have some legs over the next I couple of it. seasons as well i love it yeah it, it, you you mentioned i think the point that People are kind of sleeping on Sacramento. You, you, you said, yeah, well, you people not. are wondering if Sacramento can be as good as they were last year. Well, I can tell you that their personnel didn't get any worse, and they added Chris Duarte to the mix. They yeah. added Sasha Vizankov, who's a, a very good player in EuroLeague, EuroLeague Final Four MVP, EuroLeague MVP-type player. Uh, Vizankov, I, I think, is going to be a pretty solid guy there. And then the old friend JaVale McGee's on the roster. Yes. So, look, th this team didn't take any steps back. It's that maybe some other teams took some steps forward where – We'll, we'll see where Sacramento lands, but look, they're going to be in the thick of that Pacific Division race, if you will. Well, and, and keep in mind, what a fabulous job Mike Brown did. I mean, he's, yeah. he has a great staff and great relationship with his players, and uh, Vivek's done a great job in the ownership role and old minority owner with the Warriors uh, when first oh, when Joe Lacob and the guys came aboard. Uh, you just like everything that's going on up there. I, I went up to a birthday party about a month ago up there in Granite Bay, and boy, everybody's just fired up again. And you know that that's uh, that's great stuff. You, you just love it. You know, 90, 90 miles away, and uh, it, it it's just a great feeling when they match up with each other. Yeah, no, it, it really is, and that will be a fun one on Friday. Then again, the back-to-back -back Sunday, Monday at Ooh. Houston, at New Orleans. Look, this uh, these first nine games are going to be brutal. Obviously, the schedule will ease up at some point, but there aren't a lot of gimme games in the Western Conference, as you mentioned Gary, and so this season, it, it's going to be interesting to watch play out. I do want to give a quick update if my box score can load on our, our – friend Jordan Poole. Last I checked, he had 18 points for the Washington Wizards tonight in uh, an eventual 143-120 loss to the Indiana Pacers. He finished with 18 points, five assists. We do wish him the best of luck in the district, as they call it over there. Well, that will do it for us tonight. Big thank you to Gary St. Jean, our guy behind the glass, Mark Grandy. Go Ducks. I'm Kevin Dana saying sayonara. We'll catch you next week right here on 95.7 again. Listening to the Warriors Roundtable. Curry breaks it through. One hand, three. Up and good. The exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. That playful and nailed it. 95-7, the game. For tickets, call 888-GSW-HOOP.